Are you sick of the fatigue and fog? Fed up with unpredictable flares? Hangry from the super restrictive diets? Hello, and welcome to Success with Sjogren's, a podcast empowering naturally minded and scientifically grounded women looking to reduce or even eliminate their Sjogren's symptoms. Hi, I'm your host, Dr. Kara Wada, a fellow Sjogren Spoonie, triple board certified allergy, immunology, and lifestyle medicine physician, coach, medical educator, and mom. As a reminder, although I am a physician, I'm not your physician, and this podcast is for educational purposes only. Welcome to this episode of the Success with Sjogren's podcast. This is your host, Dr. Kara Wada, and I am excited to talk with you today about non-toxic swaps without any of the nonsense. So what am I talking about? Well, if you happen to mention the terms detoxify or non-tox to a physician, it might be a little bit triggering. But there is increasingly more and more science behind making some of these swaps to safer products uh, to improve our health. Unfortunately, a lot of this science has yet to make it to the rest of the world and in medical education. So let me share Uh, what I've learned and kind of cut to the chase on some simple things that you can do at home to decrease your exposure to certain chemicals or substances that we call endocrine disruptors. We're going to break down the definitions of what these are, how we're exposed to them, what they do in our body, and how we can keep ourselves as healthy as we can. So let's dive in. So we are currently living in the age of endocrine disruption, We have seen really remarkable increases in rates of ADHD, autism, allergies, autoimmunity, obesity, increased blood pressure, and cholesterol issues. And increasingly, uh, people are struggling with infertility as well. And this really has only occurred in the last one to two generations. So we can't blame these changes on genetic problems or genetic things that we are born with. This really is pointing to something in our environment that we are exposed to that is contributing to all of these um, health issues that have come about. So certainly we have seen huge changes in our diet, um, huge changes in different uh, ways that we live. Like our lifestyle is very different than what our great-grandparents' lifestyle would have been like. So we see differences in how our food is produced, the soil, the farms, um, where the water is coming from, water quality. We also see a lot of changes in the products we use from day to day. We use a lot of plastic. Plastic wasn't even around, you know, a little over 100 years ago. Um, And we put a whole lot more on our skin. We have these intense uh, hygiene and personal care regimens that are lovely and great for self-care, but uh, are different, right, than that maybe once-a-week bath that great-grandma used to have on the farm. The air we breathe is also different. We are breathing in different um, pollution from cars we drive and uh, factories around us, all of those sorts of things, cleaning products we're using at home. So 
Where is there the strongest evidence for things in our environment affecting our health? We really have seen the strongest evidence for these issues arising around the use of pesticides. So for those people who maybe grow up around farms, who work on farms, um, is where some of that data is coming from. Exposure to flame retardants. So these are substances that are placed on furniture, used to be placed on kids' pajamas, um, to prevent them from burning as easily um, if they were to catch on fire. Uh, but unfortunately, they have been associated with um, increased health issues. We'll dive more into that. Plasticizers, so things that make plastic more flexible and, um, and usable. And then bisphenols, or BPA, um, or in related compounds that are also found in plastics um, and personal care products and so forth. So first, let's dive in. What is an endocrine disruptor? An endocrine disruptor is a chemical messenger in our body. So endocrine is a chemical messenger in our body that is then disturbed due to exposure by a synthetic or sometimes natural chemical that may mimic our hormones. This can cause then an increase or a decrease in those um, downstream effects from those hormones to occur. Um, so in some instances, this may result in um, increased weight gain. These are called obesogens. Um, interestingly, some of these different substances are what we call transgenerational. So perhaps a grandma or a mom or dad, for that matter, um, is exposed to these substances. And it's not until the children or the grandchildren are living that we see these downstream effects. Another situation where we have seen this is a substance called DES. It was a medication that uh, was used to help prevent pregnancy loss. Um, and unfortunately was found to have these endocrine disrupting effects. And we are still seeing the, the downstream effects of exposure from a grandma um, or great-grandma in then those great-grandchildren. So what is happening, we suspect and see in many of these instances, is a change in what's called epigenetics. This is what turns genes on and off. Um, and then affects whether or not they are expressed um, in our body. Interestingly, we have always understood the idea of a poison or something that um, has bad effects on our body um, as a having dose effect, meaning the more you're exposed to it, the more problematic it can be. And the thought is that maybe moderation is everything. Um, I particularly like this uh, saying when it comes to a glass of wine. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, with these endocrine disrupting chemicals and substances, it's not the dose that makes the poison. Interestingly, sometimes a smaller amount may create a greater effect um, than a larger exposure. Uh, and so that is what makes the science and the study of these these exposures and these downstream effects and health issues even more complicated. The other thing that is very problematic and concerning as we think about 
these endocrine disrupting substances is that we, we assume when we buy a product out in the marketplace that it's safe. Um, and, and unfortunately, in, in, in the case, you know, there's an occasional recall or what have you, but um, we, we buy things under the assumption that someone has done their due diligence and made sure that we're getting something that is going to not cause us harm. That's not necessarily the case. Um, and so when it comes to especially the regulatory environment in the U.S., instead of a situation where there is some proactive evaluation of these different products or substances, that's not necessarily the case. Many of these substances are considered innocent until proven guilty. And then after the fact, it's really hard to, uh, once the cat's out of the bag or the horses are out of the barn, it's hard then to walk back and, and change, um, change what's out on the marketplace. And we've seen this um, with, with rare recalls and things, but, um, but overall, uh, this is something I find pretty concerning um, about our current regulatory standards. All right, so let's dive into some of these different things I talked about, like the flame retardants and, and those sorts of things. So flame retardants are those substances I mentioned that are found in furniture, um, and um, in particular, they uh, have been associated with issues with brain development, thyroid and liver um, problems. So how can we minimize our exposure to flame retardants? Well, you can look for... Furniture, you can buy things um, on the resale market. So that is one way because essentially these flame retardants will dissipate over time. You also want to make sure that your furniture doesn't have any like rips or tears or exposed foam. Most of these flame retardants are found in the foam um, of the different like couches and things along those lines. You also can purchase furniture that has naturally flame retardant material that it's made out of. So wool, for instance, is something that is naturally flame retardant or flame resistant. And so that is another option. If you have old furniture that has foam exposed, having it recovered can be very beneficial. If you get new furniture um, and um, in your house, air out the house, that can help decrease and dissipate some of the off-gassing of these substances. Another thing that can be really protective with our exposure to these substances is a diet that's rich in iodine that helps protect our thyroid. Um, and then another way we can decrease our exposure is uh, to wet mop our floors and vacuum. This is another way to help uh, detoxify your house um, and help clear out some of these substances that are going to accumulate just through our modern way of life. A um, couple other places that you can find um, these substances, they do tend to accumulate in animal fat. So eating more plants and less animal-based products can also decrease your exposure and avoiding those plastics that are labeled with number seven in particular. All right, so the next category we're going to hop into are the forever chemicals. 
So these are also known as PFOAs, P-F-O-A-S um, is the acronym, perfluorooctanoic acid. That's a mouthful. Um, but these substances have been associated with increased rates of obesity, type 2 diabetes, and low birth weight in um, babies. And these are the substances that have been used in the past in nonstick and Teflon-type cookware. So a good way to avoid these is to make sure if you have nonstick cookware, you're not using it at super high temperatures. If the nonstick surface is starting to break down or to chip away, it needs to be thrown out and replaced. And always use a little bit of either oil or water um, or broth or something in your pan. You don't, when you're heating it up, if you're using a nonstick cookware, you never want that pan to get super hot on the stove without something in it. Um, and then the other thing to prevent that chipping and flaking, if you're going to use nonstick, make sure you're using um, silicone or similar um, utensils so that you're not scraping that surface as well. On the whole, we've switched over to using like ceramic coated cast iron and some other, and a cast iron pan, um, which over time does become a little bit more towards nonstick um, as it's nicely seasoned. Um, but, you know, if you're frying up a couple of eggs or maybe um, doing like a, a pancake or a crepe or something like that, sometimes that nonstick surface is really helpful. So these are some ways that you can kind of find that balance between um, not, you know, having to switch everything over, um, but to more safely um, approach um, your exposure to these substances. All right, so the next big category are phthalates. These are a, a wide range of substances, but they are most often found in the form of fragrance um, in our personal care products, cleaning products, all those sorts of things. Um, and they are also plasticizers, so they are going to be found in some of the like softer, more malleable type plastics, like for instance, IV tubing. These substances have been associated with increased rates of obesity, lung, liver, kidney, and also reproductive um, problems. In addition to being found in those fragrances and plasticizers, um, they are also sometimes found in food packaging. So ways that we can minimize our exposure, switch from your plastic like Tupperware type containers or kind of storage containers over to either silicone um, Ziploc bags or zip top bags um, and uh, glass. And if you are going to be microwaving or reheating things, make sure you're putting it into either something that's glass or maybe the plate you're going to be using or bowl you're going to be using to reheat in there. It's also recommended not to put plastic in the dishwasher. Um, I will fully admit this is something that I have had a lot of trouble with because I'm a busy mom, I like the dishwasher, um, we have too many dishes <laughs> for me to be hand washing all those things, but I do try to make sure that they're on the top rack and I use to, I tend to use the gentle cycle. Um, if things are starting to get etched or scratched, that's when um, they will leach more of these phthalates, so that's something to be conscientious of. I was able to pick up a really nice set of glass storage containers um, from the local Costco the last couple years and they've lasted really well. They are lined with like a silicone um, 
shell essentially, um, which is nice because I don't always have the best uh, hand-eye coordination. I tend to drop things occasionally, and so knock on wood, they have not uh, broken yet. <laughs> so um, you may kind of keep an eye out for something along those lines. The other big place where we can really decrease our exposure to phthalates is through our personal care products. So um, this is one of the first things I did um, as I was looking to kind of switch to a more non-tox, low-tox lifestyle, is I started switching over to cleaner products. So what are cleaner products? Well, the, the term cleaner in general is a loaded term. Um, it doesn't actually legally mean anything. Um, so what I typically suggest is for people to download the Environmental Working Group app called the Healthy Living app. It's a free app. Um, and what that does is it helps you kind of risk stratify or kind of get an idea of what's in your products. One other simple thing you can do when you go around your house or as you're replacing maybe your hand soap or what have you, is take a look at the ingredient list. If fragrance is listed, replace it with something that doesn't have fragrance in it or has like the essential oils that are actually giving it the fragrance listed. Why? These synthetic fragrances are not uh, all they're cracked up to be. Essentially the term fragrance is a catch-all term that says that a particular company has a proprietary formulation of, at times, a dozen or more chemicals that make up that scent um, that come from that phthalate family. Uh, not only are they endocrine disruptors, but they also tend to be a big trigger for contact allergy or skin allergy. Um, so overall, just a great thing to try to minimize your exposure to and to avoid. So what are some things that we've done? I have um, come up with kind of a list in our house of different companies that have formulation practices that we are trust and um, have really grown to love some of the products. So um, some of those um, companies are Beauty Counter, Hue and Grace, um, for personal care products, um, the Honest Company for the kids' issues, Kids products, Vanna Cream is another great um, company um, for personal care products. For cleaning supplies, we've been using Seventh Generation for laundry detergent. My understanding is Drops is another company that has great um, laundry detergent products as well, and have some non or fragrance-free options um, and some options that have fragrance with um, like the essential oil. If you tolerate those, okay. Um, so those are some other options as well. When it comes to cleaning supplies at home, I use a recipe out of my friend and colleague's book. Um, Anne, Dr. Ann Kennard is an obstetrician gynecologist, um, and she wrote a book called Nourish. It's a cookbook, but it also has some really great recipes for, um, home cleaning products that you can make very easily with some Dr. Bronner's type soap, little essential oils, uh, and some vinegar in a, in a spray bottle. And so um, I mix up some of that a couple times a year and I'm good to go for my countertops um, and um, in the kitchen and, and those sorts of things. All right, 
So the next category are the bisphenols. So these are what you would see is like BPA, BPA-free. Um, the problem is it's not just BPA. There's also something called BPS that is just as problematic. So this is where using something that's glass, stainless steel, silicone is going to be safer option. So you know, we know when we know better, we do better. Um, this is, you know, Oliver is my third kiddo. Both of the girls drank milk out of plastic bottles. Josie drank, um, we used this system where I pumped milk directly into little bags that then became her bottle. All of that was plastic. Kind of knowing better now, Oliver has silicone bottles um, that are hand washed. And so, you know, some of these things that we learn, you know, that plastic was BPA-free, but I don't know if it was BPS-free or bisphenol-free altogether. So this is another way that we are able to decrease our exposure. Another place you'll find these bisphenols are in receipts. So any of those receipts that come from a thermal-type receipt um, printer have BPA on them. So Another reason when you get home to wash your hands or just skip the receipt, have them email it to you. And then if you're purchasing canned foods, um, canned beans are a great staple in our house for a quick weeknight meal. Um, try to find packaging that says that it's BPA free. Um, that is um, another place where those substances will find their way into our everyday living. Now, when it comes to pesticides, I think there is a lot of kind of discussion, controversy, organic versus non-organic. Um, in general, we do our best to try when affordable and when it looks good and is tasty to um, make those options, you know, kind of get those organic options, but it's not always feasible. Uh, we live in the Midwest, some, you know, it's winter sometimes, and so <laughs> a good chunk of the year. And so things can't be kind of grown around here. Um, so looking at the that environmental working groups website they do put out every year a list of the dirty dozen or kind of those different fruits and vegetables that have more exposure to um, pesticides and so that is a nice place to start from that list is not without its faults um, but that is like a nice list to kind of think about look at so berries peaches nectarines um, those sorts of fruits are great ones if you're able to get and afford organic. Those are also options that are fantastic to get frozen. So, you know, as we're thinking about sustainable and practical strategies um, to eat more plants, get more, you know, into our diet and make some of these swaps, um, that is another way to really dig in and, um, and decrease your exposure to some of these substances that really have had um, have the potential for significant impact on our bodies. So as we're thinking about um, these different strategies, um, I am really excited in the coming weeks, um, we are going to welcome Dr. Leo Trasande um, to the podcast. He is a phenomenal physician and researcher. He is the author of the book, um, Sicker, Fatter, Poorer, um, which is an incredible reference um, and look at some practical ways to start decreasing your exposure, really understanding the, 
the impact of um, exposure to these endocrine-disrupting chemicals um, on our bodies. So if you haven't read his book, I would really encourage you to check that out um, and stay tuned for that episode that will be coming in the next few weeks. Um, I'm super excited to talk with him. If you have any questions you'd like me to ask him when um, we record the podcast, I would love for you to email those to me um, at crunchyallergist at gmail.com. Um, and if you would like a, a quick, you know, two-page reference um, on these really easy, simple ways to make um, some, you know, non-stressful ways to make the swap to safer, um, I'm going to post that um, on the website. So hop on over to crunchyallergist.com. And you will be able to download the four stress-free strategies to non-toxic living, um, make that available for you. So that's going to be a really great written summary of what we've talked about today, Um, talking about some of those small swaps, replacing things as you need them, as you go, um, focusing on one area at a time, a list of some of the different brands that I love and our family has come to trust, and then some other ways to really... Um, find and use trusted resources, knowing that this idea of um, that we didn't talk about as much, but called clean washing or green washing, um, really there are no, there's no one policing the terms clean, organic, natural, non-tox. Like none of those terms mean anything legally. Um, companies can just slap that wording on packaging and call it a day. Um, So you really need to look for ways to see if there's third-party validation. Really kind of understand what companies are being recognized for the work they're doing. Who's transparent about their formulations and their safety protocols? Um, And that's where using something like this Healthy Living app can be really helpful. um, And or looking to other experts and kind of seeing what they're recommending. So... If you um, are loving the podcast, um, and um, I would greatly appreciate you leaving a review, and think about sharing it with a friend. I know this is the success with Shogren's podcast, and certainly we are really hoping to make an impact and greater awareness about Shogren's, but so many of these different topics and ideas um, really are applicable to so many Um, and really trying to get the word out about trying to prevent um, problems before they occur. So we know those that that are affected by autoimmune diseases have the potential to develop and be diagnosed with further autoimmune issues. These are issues that could have a tendency to run in families. And so um, I think one of the things and that I'm so passionate about is trying to keep my kiddos as healthy as I can, um, really kind of driving a lot of this work. And so sharing kind of um, this information is so important um, to get the word out, that awareness that we can, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. It's a saying that my parents used to say all the time, but truly if we're able to make those changes ahead of time, well, goodness, um, it's, it's just so much better for all of us, right? We're keeping those horses in the barn, as I talked about earlier. All right, well, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I look forward to bringing you some great content next Friday, 
And um, I hope in the meantime, you take care and stay well. Wow.